1: Hello everybody, Dennis Prager here. Thank you for being with me. We're going to get to the debate in a, in a moment. Just, uh, I want to tell you something I told my friend and producer. There's no greater voice of moral clarity uh, functioning today than Douglas Murray. In case you're not familiar with him. He has been on our show a number of times. I did a fireside chat with him for PragerU. He has done PragerU videos. Has he done more than one uh, PragerU oh, yeah. video? Yeah. yeah, a few. And and even if I had no connection with him, I would say this. I will play for you a fair amount of his interview and, and some some degree of debate with Pierce Morgan. On the BBC, oh, not the BBC. What is Pierce on? What is Sky News? What is yeah, he on? Sky News. Sky News. The the whole issue, as you know, if you know me at all, has been moral clarity. People don't like moral clarity because it forces you, on occasion, to take positions that are just not popular. It's an interesting question for me. I always say it's an interesting question. It's one of my sayings, and I don't like to have uh, sayings like that. There's nothing wrong with it. I just I don't want to lapse into a cliche of even if I invented it for myself. But I can't help it because there really are some interesting questions. But here's one. What is it most people yearn for? So I have so often said people yearn do not yearn to be free, they yearn to be taken care of. If that were not the case, there would be no popularity to socialism, Marxism, or communism. People yearn to be free, yearn to be taken care of more than they yearn to be free. They also yearn to be liked. That is, uh, which is not a bad thing. But it's, it, in and of itself it's not bad. What price will you pay to be liked? That is the question. And it's like the woman who called my show years ago. What do I tell my daughter? If she writes what she believes, she's a conservative. And if she writes what she thinks in one of her papers, she will get a lower grade And then won't get into uh, a a prestigious graduate school. Or was she in high school and she won't get into a prestigious college? I don't remember which it was. And And I remember telling her that, I'm not telling her what to tell her daughter, but I'm saying what I would say to my son. I don't have a daughter. And I would say, if you compromise for a grade in high school, when will you stop compromising? If you do X or Y to be popular, what will you not do to be popular? So last night was the debate. Another debate, and what I have is a uh, a poll here that DeSantis won, and I'll tell you uh, what uh, what poll it was actually. Uh, okay, let's see what poll was it. Yeah. Rod DeSantis wins the battle. This is from the Daily Mail. Wins the battle with Nikki Haley. Florida governor gets huge boost as Daily Mail debate poll reveals viewers rated his performance far better than his closest rival, and the majority think he is the best candidate to take on Trump. I'm not saying it's. it's, it's I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm merely reporting to you. On the other hand, my producer believes. That uh, Nikki Haley, correct? You felt Nikki Haley did best. So, the th- but it's not, I don't know if there's a but here. Your, th- your hesitation to say DeSantis did best is that he's not charismatic. Mm-hmm. So clearly then you're implying that Nikki Haley is more so. Yes. Right. Okay. I'm just I just want to make clear where you're coming from. My own position uh, has been consistent, which doesn't make it right. You could be consistently wrong. The left is consistently wrong. But my own position has been unwavering. All I care is defeating that destructive party. It's been destructive since its founding, the Democratic Party, because it is now a left wing, not a liberal party. For a liberal party, I wouldn't have much passion on it. Liberals are naive, but they're, they're not bad. The left is bad. The pincer movement that is destroying the West, or trying to destroy the West, is fundamentalist Islam and leftism. That's why they are aligned. That is why you have the idiocy of queers for Palestine. It's a real idiocy, since there's a, an LGBTQIA plus parade in Tel Aviv. There, there is none in the, any Palestinian area. To be a a gay activist and be pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel is almost inexplicable unless there is an overriding concern that is greater than what is good for me as an LGBTQIA+. And that there is the destruction of the West. So frequently, Israel is described negatively as an outpost of the West in the Middle East. Hmm. As if that's a bad thing. Isn't that interesting that people think that's a bad thing? You're an outpost of Western civilization? So aren't you implying that not a single Arab country in the Middle East is an outpost of Western civilization? Yeah, that's the implication. So let me ask you, an Arab country that adopted Western values and, and continued to have Arab culture and and Islam as a religion, so... It, are you saying that Islam is incompatible with Western values? If it's a knock on Israel that it is an outpost of Western civilization in in the Muslim world, then you are, in fact, saying Islam is incompatible with Western civilization. That's, that's the statement. Hmm. I didn't quite understand, and uh, Vivek uh, Rawaswamy has been at PragerU events, has done PragerU video, he's been also on a fireside chat, and we have great affection for him. I didn't quite understand his comment to Nikki Haley that she can't, what was it, she can't criticize TikTok because her daughter used TikTok? what what was the point that he was making that when he said his, her daughter used tiktok i didn't i assumed that the only possible reason for raising it is you're you're hypocritical yeah, yeah. so you can't attack tiktok if your own daughter has used tiktok or uses tiktok yeah. wow i found that odd by the way, how does he know? I'm not saying he doesn't know. She
0: may have a you know be on TikTok. She
1: may oh, have she oh she may have a presence on TikTok. Yeah, oh I, don't I know see. That for sure. You don't know it for sure.
0: But that's an
1: easy way. Right. The only question is who would be the best candidate to defeat. I don't believe Joe Biden will be. I would be willing to bet. I almost never bet on the future that Joe Biden will not be the nominee. When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now and type in Dennis Prager under podcast when you sign up. Spelled B A M B E E dot com, Bambi dot com. Type in Dennis Prager. Do we have uh, the? Do we have the Douglas Murray? Uh, is We're it? You're working on that. Huh. Right now, pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel means that you want Israel obliterated that's what it means tell me what pro palestinian rally has not chanted from the river to the sea palestine will be free which means israel will be no longer they don't give you the rest of the sentence palestine will be free of jews i love the when they they say oh we want a, a we want a one state Where we don't care, Jew, this is their propagandists, this is not what they actually believe, but nevertheless, Jew, Christian, Muslim, will live in peace, because Christians are doing so well in the Arab world, Jews are already gone, but uh, how how are Christians doing? Douglas Murray made a fascinating point to Piers Morgan that Gaza could have been Singapore. That's the term he, he used on a couple of occasions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, could have been. Had it been free and aligned with Israel and democratic and allowed... The money, the staggering sums of money that have poured into that benighted area of land, they use it to murder Jews, not to help Palestinians. They slaughtered Fatah. Nobody, nobody cares. It's, it's like I tell, I say these things, but how many people care? The record of Hezbollah. the moral record of the iranian regime and hezbollah and isis it's like not to mention hamas it doesn't matter to people they they're pro hamas as as if it's a good group of humans we have a recording of a Hamas monster calling up his parents, speaking to his father on his phone from Israel, gushing with pride, I kill ten Jews. Tell mom, tell mom I kill ten Jews. And the father is just ecstatic. By the way, it's never Israelis. They they don't even use the term almost ever. It's Jews. Oh, we're not anti-Jewish. And then the group that produces more self-hatred than any other group, Jews, have all these, I mean, it's not a gigantic group, but it's not tiny. There's a sick Orthodox group called the Ture Karta. And there's a sick secular left-wing group, Jewish Voice for Peace boy what the left has done to the word peace whenever i hear peace activist i assume it's not always true but i assume it's a fool is there any noble term the, ra- the left has not raped can't think of any so it's the pincer movement fundamentalist islam and leftism will the jews survive those and will wet the west survive depends on what you do every one of you listening and every every one of our countries people don't want to fight it's amazing how many how many harvard seniors so i'm taking the oldest college students seniors the most prestigious college harvard how many of them know about the slaughter of the Charlie Hebdo editors? I would be shocked if more than one out of ten. I would be shocked if one out of ten. Yeah, and that's recent.
0: Yeah.
1: Where Muslims just went in and slaughtered the entire staff of... Well, not the entire staff, but they killed The them. entire staff that they found there. Yeah. And, or, or terribly injured. They, they How many... Look up the number, and I'll, that way I can be totally precise. Because they, they felt that Charlie Hebdo, which is a very long-standing French satire magazine, they deserved to be killed, to be murdered, because they had published pictures of... Of drawings, really, drawings of Muhammad. By the way, all through medieval Islamic history, are drawings of Muhammad. But let's say it isn't. Let us say it is. It is forbidden for people that Islam forbids any drawing because it's imaginary. We don't know how he lived, how he looked. Any drawing of Muhammad. Why does that apply to non-Muslims? It's, it, that's what I mean by fundamentalist Islam. Our laws apply to you.
0: Twelve, 12 people were murdered. 12 were murdered that day? Eleven
1: injured. Eleven injured, yeah. So that's 23 people. I mean, how many people were working there? Yeah. Yes. It, it, what about the beheadings? Remember the the poor were they Egyptians were they they just had them kneel by the the, sea, the seashore and cut their throats? Remember that? Yeah, that was Isis. That was Isis, yeah. There there doesn't seem to be any amount of atrocities committed by fundamentalist Muslims that allows people to say there might be a moral problem with fundamentalist Islam. Right? The fear of the left is Christian nationalism. So, I'd like you to hear an excerpt that I chose from Nikki Haley from last night. Got that, Sean? From NBC News. In the last debate... Oh, yeah, yeah, hold on, hold on. Wait one second. That's correct. It's not from the debate. It's from an interview on NBC News. The first part is from the debate and then NBC News. All right. In the last debate, she made fun of
2: me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. Here, adult the next generation of Americans
0: are using, and that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. You're just the easy and
2: one of the more fiery moments of tonight's debate. Welcome back to our coverage of the Republican presidential debate. I'm Tom Yamas. And I'm Hallie Jackson. We've got the candidates still making their way through their spin room here in Miami. Joining us now is somebody who is one of the biggest targets of the night, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. Ambassador Haley, thank you for being with us. Yet. Thanks for having me. Listen, this debate was largely focused on foreign policy, but I have to start with that moment that we just saw. we got to start with scum and these attacks from Vivek Ramaswamy against you here. Can you take a minute to just reflect on that moment? Moment, what was going through your head and help us understand do you dislike him
3: look I'm a mom I'm a mom so the second that you go and you start saying something about my 25 year old daughter I'm gonna get my up. but this is it's not even about the personal part there are serious differences that I have with him you know he doesn't think that we need to be helping Israel he sides with Putin and and thinks that Ukraine doesn't matter he's okay with giving Taiwan to China there's so many issues he doesn't think America needs friends that's dangerous i think he has a dangerous foreign policy um, that we can't afford and i think he would make america less safe he
2: he called you dick cheney in three inch heels do you think that was sexist by the way hold on one second i Uh,
1: i found that question so stupid it took my breath away this is an nbc reporter did you find that sexist what is it, what does that mean? What does the word sexist mean? That he I wanna I really do, folks, I'm sorry, I want to analyze it to show you how sick the world of the left's ideas, how the sickest have permeated normative people. This guy may not even be a leftist. Was it sexist to say you're Dick Cheney in three inch heels? Why? Because it implies that women wear three-inch heels. Wasn't he saying you're a, fe- a female, Dick Cheney? Isn't that what he was saying? Yeah. So maybe it's anti-trans or it's anti-non-binary. But how is it sexist, implying that women wear three-inch heels and men don't? Is that is that is that it? These moments are so worthy of noting. The, the sickness, the question was pre, pre, deeply stupid. As, as a rule, I am opposed to stupidity. It's, it's, a, it's a bias I have, and we, we're bathing in it. Okay, we continue.
3: Don't even give him the time of day. He has proven that he is just not worthy of being President of the United States. Everybody knows it. Everybody sees it. There's so many things that he said that were just uncalled for tonight. But, you know, I'll let people decide that. We've got real serious issues. We've got to talk about what's happening. We've got wars all around the world. We've got an economy that's in shambles. We've got a border that's open. And we've got a lot of families that are concerned. And those are the things that I wanted to talk about, not the fact that he got my heels on
2: so let's talk about some of those issues here, including what we just heard from with our colleague Ryan Nobles, who is live in New Hampshire talking with voters there. I know you were listening when one of those voters talked about you and your answer as it relates to abortion access and what you would push for here. Um, you were, it seems, pushing the pragmatic in your response about what can actually get passed in Washington and what cannot. Do you believe that your competitors on stage are missing something in the dynamic here? Well, I think the fellas like deal with this differently.
3: I look at it from the perspective that this is personal for every woman and every man in America. I had a roommate who was raped in college. I wouldn't wish on anyone what she went through, wondering if she was pregnant, wondering if she was pregnant. What I'll tell you is, I'm totally pro-life. In every way whatsoever. I just don't judge someone for being pro-choice more than I want them to judge me for being pro-life. So when you're looking at this, I don't want to see this divide. Women don't want to be divided over this. I want this in the hands of the people. I want it at the state's level. But if you're going to talk about a federal bill... This is a bill- very
1: important subject. I addressed it yesterday. The abortion issue and our civilization. My friends, I want to tell you about one of the most influential books of my life. In fact, it's on my list of the 10 books that most influenced me. And it's just been re-released George Gilder's Men and Marriage. George Gilder has been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men who take responsibility for themselves. Men who love their wives. Men who raise their own children. Men who tackle the workforce. Motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will simply sink back into the Stone Age. We need to bring dads back, or else. Get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men and Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. Civilization is built by men with families to feed. Yep, without the dads, we're toast. Get George Gilder's book at (music) dadsareback.com. So I'm, I'm playing for you Nikki Haley on NBC News. Nikki Haley is right about abortion, she's pro-life, I'm pro-life. If uh, we if we keep pushing for laws with no compromise, like for example no exceptions for incest or rape and At any time in pregnancy, the best is the enemy of the better. That is one of the most important rules if you care about moral improvement as opposed to being pure. On this planet, purity is not possible. Not if you want to do good. If you want to be perfect, uh, that's not available to us. So I'll continue with Nikki Haley.
3: At least be honest with the American people. Don't make them, you know, you've got Democrats making people feel scared that something's going to happen, and you've got Republicans
2: trying to push something that's not even realistic. So I'll ask you the same question that I asked Governor DeSantis before you. Should Republicans even be pushing a federal bill at this point, in your view?
3: I think we always want to save as many babies as we can and support as many moms as we can. And so I think the reason why I talked about consensus is let's see where we can get $0.60. Let's say, Because anything would save more babies. It would do more. And so, and as we're seeing state laws, you know, come up, it's just like I said, we don't want to see a woman who gets an abortion get put in jail or get the death penalty. There's certain things that I think there's a place, but there has to be consensus if that's going to happen.
2: Ambassador, let's turn to Israel and By Amos. the way, yeah, we'll, get to, we'll
1: get to that in a moment. See, as the presenter of, I think, the most widely viewed pro-life video Ever made, the one I did for uh, PragerU. I think I have good credentials on this issue. So, people need to be honest, which is not easy. Honest with themselves—that's the hardest. If you if you want to be pure, and and not compromise, you should be for arresting doctors and women who undergo abortions. I mean, if it's murder, why would that form of murder not be prosecutable? The very fact that pro-life folks have acknowledged that we don't want to arrest women who do this, and 99% or 90% don't want to arrest doctors who do it, or at least not charge them with accessory to homicide, or indeed maybe they do, means that there is a built-in acknowledgement that we're still compromising. You don't get any good done as a general rule. There are exceptions without some degree of compromise. The fight against the left is not only over abortion. And if we keep losing elections, because women, and I think uh, incorrectly, are so adamant about absolute pro-choice, even through the third trimester. I mean, that's an act of, of amoral fanaticism that is quite remarkable. But you have to deal with the reality that you have. If the Democrats win, teachers' unions win, you have, you have more drag queen story hours. That, that's also a moral issue to be concerned with, not only abortion. If the left wins, kids
2: are hurt. Okay,
1: we continue
2: for saying, end Hamas. Former Governor Chris Christie says, what does that even mean? My question to you is this. Israel obviously suffered a a horrific terrorist attack. Innocent Israelis were killed. They've been kidnapped, likely being tortured in that tunnel system there in Gaza. Can you destroy Hamas without destroying Gaza? Essentially, is there any way to do this without all those innocent Palestinians now dying as well?
3: Look, I mean, we've always focused on civilians versus terrorists. I think that's important. That's what America does. That's what Israel does. That's what civilized countries do but the reality is if fourteen hundred americans had been brutally murdered that way and americans taken hostage would america be okay with that we would not be okay with that what we have to remember is here you had fourteen hundred people but we had thirty three americans that were murdered we have americans being held hostage this is not just personal for israel it's personal for america and so when you look at that we have have to eliminate Hamas. I dealt with this every day. What I can tell you is Israel is not going to do this without thinking of every single human so, life. The problem is Hamas does not think of every single human life. I've been in those tunnels yeah. and those tunnels are underneath hospitals. They're underneath playgrounds. They're underneath schools because they use women and children as human shields. The best way to save people in Gaza is to eliminate Hamas because they should not live under so that no rule. no ceasefire,
2: anymore. no humanitarian pause. You would not encourage that. You would not fight for that if you were president right now
3: if you do a pause if you do a ceasefire people die because we've done this before and what hamas did before they killed israeli soldiers and they took more israeli soldiers hostage that's what would happen they refuel to try and get ready so they can shoot more rockets what they need to do is they need to let out every hostage they have and we're not going to talk to them until they release every single one of those hostages. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, thank you so much for your time here after this.
1: She knows her stuff. Barack Obama, what a shameful individual. The damage he did to this country, the damage he did to black America and white America and America, his moral idiocies now, like he... You know, sort of a plague on all their houses. You know what I have not heard, and I devour this stuff, unfortunately. I have not heard anyone say what Israel should do who opposes what Israel is doing. What should Israel do? We'll be back. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, Emma in Costa Rica. Hello.
4: Hey, Dennis. It's Emma from Hayden, Idaho. My husband and I are Wait, traveling down here. Wait, so why does it take oh
1: you're, oh, you're in Costa Rica. We're okay. in Costa Rica, yeah. Oh, Costa Rica.
4: We we're traveling around here, and um, we went to a bakery, and it's a very international spot. And the waitress that was waiting on us, she was very beautiful, and we were kind of talking back and forth, and I asked her where she was from. And she stalled. I said, what's the matter? She goes, I don't like to tell Americans where I'm from. And I said, why? She said, I'm going to cry. You seem like such kind people, I will tell you. She said, I'm from Israel. And I got up and hugged her. And her eyes started to tear up. And she said, I didn't re- didn't plan for this, your country, to turn their backs on us. And I told her how much I love Israel and I pray for her every day, and she ended up crying about it, but it was just.
1: Why does she feel that uh, we have turned our backs on Israel?
4: Because she finds out about all the colleges that are, Uh you know, telling Jews to get up out of their seats, and the liberal media, you know, sympathizing with Palestine and Hamas. She doesn't understand it. I don't either. I don't either.
1: I do. You do, too. I know you long enough. The left is sick. They are. The left is always wrong. If, if it's beautiful, the left hates it. And Israel is an island of beauty in the Middle East, so they hate it. America was not an island, but a peninsula of, of beauty with all its flaws on earth, and they hate it. They love the bad Bad art, bad music, bad teachers, bad schools, bad innocence in children. It is a sick world, the left. Shame on you if you're a leftist. Shame on you. What keeps me sane is the belief there is a good and judging God. Your conscience is worthless, as so many people's consciences are worthless. (laughs) Well... To, to work for the destruction of Israel, you have to be as despicable as they come. There is something even lower than the vast numbers of Muslims who want Israel dead. It's the vast number of non-Muslims who want Israel dead. They were not raised in, in a culture of theological genocide, as not all by any means, but many Muslims have been. (music) Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream Bedsheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as twenty nine ninety eight, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. I'm Dennis Prager. I noted at the beginning of the last hour, and then I went to uh, analyzing the American political scene, and I mentioned that there isn't a more clear moral thinker that I am aware of than Douglas Murray, who... uh, I've had on the show a number of times, fireside chat. Done some PragerU videos. He's an exceptional uh, human being. His uh, moral clarity, his, his worry about Britain. I don't think Pierce Morgan has had a, a more effective. May have had equally effective. But um, I don't think he's had a more effective clarifying spokesman about the the moral universes in collision between Israel and its enemies, including its left-wing enemies that have nothing to do with Islam. The pincer movement of fundamentalist Islam and the left may destroy the West, may certainly destroy Israel. I don't predict it will destroy Israel, but it certainly intends to. So here, uh, I, I I won't play the entire thing. The entire thing is worth hearing, but we'll begin at the beginning. Douglas Murray is the broadcasting to Pierce Morgan at uh, at nighttime, Britain and nighttime Israel time. He is he he is in douglas murray is is in israel for this interview did it take place yesterday, no, yesterday or, the day or the day before okay here we go well
5: i'm joined now by douglas murray who's on the gaza border douglas let me ask you first of all why have you felt the need to go there
6: well i've covered every israeli conflict since the 2006 lebanon war i uh, have covered lots of other conflicts as well. And this one is obviously an incredibly important conflict. Uh, it's one that is going to be crucial, not just for Israel, but for the region. And uh, I like to see these things firsthand, as you know, Piers.
5: I do. And I've, I've read your stuff for many years about these uh, kind of uh, conflicts. Let me ask you, what is your, what's your feeling on the ground there? I know you've been with some of the IDF. What is your feeling about the motivation for this uh, war from the Israeli side? Is it revenge? Is it something different? What what are you picking up?
6: Well, it's not revenge. I mean, I think the most obvious thing is I spent part of today at the uh, kibbutz of near Oz. This is a kibbutz right down the road from here by the Gaza border, where there are about 400 residents. Uh, 80 of them were kidnapped on the 7th of October and another 30 to 40 were murdered. And we went through, I went through the remains of their houses, uh, saw all the blood-spattered walls and uh, went through the charred remains of that village, that community. Uh, that was just one of the massacre sites. I went earlier past the massacre site of what you'll remember is the, there was a music festival uh, also near the, the Gaza border, uh, which was taking place where so many hundreds of young people were having a rave and then were massacred, uh, raped, uh, mutilated and again kidnapped and taken through, through the border into Gaza. So uh, you see the remnants of that appalling day everywhere around here. It's very hard to find a family anywhere in Israel. It hasn't been directly or, you know, very closely related to the atrocities of that day. You know, 1,400 civilians slaughtered in one day and thousands more injured is the sort of thing that, that will have an effect on any society. It would be roughly comparative to, say, 20,000 people being killed in our own country. Um, so it's, it's a massive thing. It's a massive blow uh, in Israel. The whole nation has felt it. And, of course, people know that there needs to be an answer to this. And I think that's well. you can hear behind me as I'm speaking, some of that answer, the crump of artillery shells and uh, 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 missiles from the air, it seems. And you can see some of that rising over the border behind me
5: you talked about proportionality in this conflict being absurd i've talked a lot about what is mm-hmm. proportionate and i struggle struggled to think of what a proportionate response is to the barbarism of those terror attacks mm-hmm. um you know, there is a view and maybe you share this view but there is a view i think ben shapiro said this to me when i interviewed him that there, there should be no limit on the response that Israel has. It's not about proportion. It's not about you kill one of us, we kill one of you. This is about a war right. specifically designed to eliminate Hamas and they will do what it takes.
6: Yes. Well, I mean, remember that the, one of the heads of Hamas said only a few days ago, uh, uh, from uh, the comfort of his foreign residence, because remember, the heads of Hamas don't live among their peoples. They, uh, they've they been made billionaires by taking an in international aid for years now. Uh, but one of the heads of Hamas said uh, the other day, we will keep doing October the 7th. Uh, again and again and again. So there's a realization in Israel, I think, that this is just unlivable. You you, you can't have a situation where you have a neighbor who... Well, won the election in 2006 after Israel withdrew from the Gaza, promptly killed their fellow Palestinians, the Fatah members in the Gaza, threw them off buildings and shot them in the back. Uh, um, so uh, Hamas has been ruling Gaza uh, for all the last one and a half decades. Uh, it has spent all the international aid money and much more that has come into it on its own infrastructure of terror tunnels, its infrastructure of rockets and other munitions to throw at Israel, and then of course in enriching its leaders. Uh, the place you see behind me could be Singapore by now. Uh, and there's a reason it isn't. And it's the leadership of Hamas. And so, you know, I think that it is something that people have to realize that this is not a situation which is sustainable for Israel. And uh, yes, the Israeli uh, government is going to be doing whatever it needs to do to fulfill its objective of, of ridding uh, the Gaza of Hamas. Uh, how easy or difficult a job that is, is another question. But uh, it's something that is going going on as we speak. But in
5: terms of the the moral quandary which I've been feeling, and it's not about Israel wanting to eliminate Hamas, I completely agree with that mission statement. And certainly there's no chance of any peace when you have a terror group in charge ...of Gaza in the way that they've now completely established themselves to be... ...with no limits and just a desire to eradicate Israel and as many Jewish people as they can kill. So 's part that to one side. I concur with the mission statement. But it is incredibly difficult, just on a human level... ...to see, because we know the civilian population in Gaza is half children... ...to see the sheer numbers of kids who are being killed... By the Israeli uh, onslaught, that's come back against Hamas. What do you feel about that? On a human level, what well, should we all be feeling about well,
6: that? The first thing is, it, the first thing is, should those deaths really be attributed to the Israeli side? Um, We saw the other day the BBC and other media uh, reported that the people who were lying dead on the street on one of the main routes through Gaza was alleged to be a um, a massacre carried out by Israelis. It turned out it wasn't the case at all. Uh, It was Hamas massacring Palestinians fleeing south as the Israelis had recommended they do. Um, So the question in a way that you ask, I would say there's an answer to which is who exactly is responsible for these deaths. Um, If you do, as Hamas does, uh, ...decide to uh, build bunkers and put rockets on them and then put hospitals on top of them, who exactly is responsible for that? Uh, is it the Israelis in their response or is it Hamas for doing that? Uh, if you do decide, as Hamas da- has done... Uh, to use all of these billions of dollars of international aid to build tunnels where you can hide, uh, among other things, uh, the, the kidnapped uh, uh, of Israelis. Um, who's responsible for, for the, the strikes that happen as a result and any civilian deaths? Is it the Israelis or is it Hamas who has been holding the Palestinian peoples of the Gaza hostage for the last 15 years and more? I, again I repeat this point. You know, a lot of what has been said about this seems to suggest that Hamas has no responsibility for this. You know, if you if if you went into your neighbor's house, ransacked it, raped your neighbours, uh, killed some of them, took others into captivity, and then somebody said uh, that's not on, uh, I'm going to do something in retaliation to that, uh, you would bear the cost of that, you'd bear the price for that. Uh, the Israelis have the right to respond. Uh, to such an atrocity, and I'm I'm rather surprised, or at least I'm, I'm I'm not surprised in a way. I'm disappointed as ever by the number of commentators in the UK and elsewhere who seem who always use t- times like this to say things like, "We've got to, we've got to, you know, this is a time for judicious voices. This is a time for Right. Calm, All right. Hold emotional. on.
1: We'll we'll continue. Douglas Murray uh, being interviewed. He's at the Gaza-Israel border. Yes, that that point. Who is responsible for the Gazans' deaths? Israel or Hamas? Should people be allowed under the laws of that ban calling for the pro terror? Is a pro Hamas demonstration a a violation of British law. That's the latest part of this interview, Pierce Morgan with Douglas Murray who is at the Israel-Gaza border during this interview that was held yesterday. We continue
6: for terror on the streets of britain and that existed before the 2006 terrorism act banned glorification and it certainly exists now but uh, if you stand on the streets of london calling for jihad you are calling for terror and that is actually a place where free speech is at its limit and is no longer permissible it's the same with for instance calls for intifada on the london tubes remember we had a touch of intifada on the london tubes a few years ago so again calling for intifada is something that you're not but allowed to about, do in the UK. Okay, but not allowed this, to call let me ask you this. You're not allowed, you're not allowed to, let me finish one other case. Mm. You're not allowed uh, to stand on the streets of London and call for the murder of Jews or any other minority. No. And yet people have been getting away with this No. But, the, but these Saturday. are, and, right. and, and, and are the police arresting people? No. Right. No, they're not. The police last
5: week said, we're outnumbered. Right. So, so that is a key point. The police have said, Met Commissioner Samark Rowley said, the laws created by Parliament are clear. There is abso- no absolute power to ban protest. Therefore, there will be a protest this weekend. But the laws are also there to stop people brazenly supporting terrorism. So if people were to use a pro-Hamas banner or chant pro-Hamas uh, a sentiment, that would mm. be against the current law of this country, and the police should take action. That's a different but issue, isn't, though. But no, it, I, it is.
6: It is. But it's not being no, police. I understand. It's not so, being police. I
5: understand. So on that, I can agree with you. The police need to enforce the existing laws. However, there will be a but large. But they're not,
6: they're not going to because they're outnumbered. No, no. But, they're but outnumbered. You and, so you not and going I can to. agree that,
5: that that's wrong. But
6: that shouldn't mitigate the rights... Well, well, well don't you think that matters? Hang on. Don't no. you think that matters? No, it does matter. That
5: means that we have a rule of law, but it's not able to be police. What's the point of having a law if you can't police? It? Well, I agree with view. But I also think that the the there are a large number of those protesters who genuinely are, in their eyes, protesting for peace and they're pro-Palestinian okay, I and they admit, have a view and the I, way I, I,
1: you're- I respected Pierre. I I I'm not invalidating him. I don't do that. You you make one comment that it's foolish and you, you're permanently invalidated. Uh, but that. That betrays a naivete that I find inexcusable in in an intelligent, and he is intelligent, adult. That the majority of the people protesting and pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel demonstrations are for peace. I spoke at Stanford University a number of years ago, and it was at a pro-Israel rally on campus, and a woman came over to me and she said, she's a peace activist, she she doesn't agree with the way I described Israel's enemies. And so I finally calmly said to her, you're, you say you're for peace? She said, yes. So I said, are you for peace with Israel or for peace without Israel? And she walked away. These people are for peace without Israel. We continue
6: disagree with that. I disagree with that. And I'll tell you one reason why. Hmm. Uh, the crowds in question are 100 times larger than the number of people who came out when hundreds of thousands of people were being killed in Yemen. They are 100 times larger than the number of people who came out when Bashar al-Assad killed hundreds of thousands of people in Syria. Seems to me that the people in question only care if one side in the particular conflict happens to involve the Israelis. Then but they're they allowed very to. very excited. But they're allowed to. So I don't, well, well, they're allowed to absolutely, and 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 we can make judgments about them. Hmm. But I would not presume by any means that what you're talking about are pro peace people. They're anti Israeli. That's it. Well, but they're allowed to be anti Israeli. I think that's the point. They're not sure allowed- they're allowed to be anti. If, if you're allowed to be in that case, I suppose we have to allow people to be anti other nations as well. I mean, Britain was founded at the same uh, sorry Israel sorry was founded in the same year within the year of Pakistan. Maybe by we the should way, allow I just want to say for the of,
1: record, he's the only other person I know who raise Pakistan. You, you should Google, I did, I actually wrote a column on why are people at peace with Pakistan's existence, but not with Israel's existence. Millions of, uh, of wounded, uh, refugees or dead, dwarf the number in, in Israel's founding. And there was never a Pakistan in the history of the world. There were two Israels in the history of the world. But nobody claims Pakistan has no right to exist because Pakistan isn't Jewish.
2: A blue skies, we fly, feel all right.
1: This is a, a magnificent and important interview. By the way, there was a caller, and I would like—I wanted to take the call. So, if you can call back, I totally understand why you would think I'm not going to be taking calls, given that I'm playing the Pierce Morgan interview with Douglas Murray, but it was about his child getting anti-Israel immersion from TikTok, and I'd like to hear about that. So if you're the one who called, please do. We return, Pierce Morgan interviewing Douglas Murray last night. Douglas Murray is at the Israel
6: hundreds of thousands of people it's to boring. go around the streets of uh, London protesting that Pakistan doesn't have a right to exist or a right to defend itself. Well, I don't, we should I don't, think, I have don't a think it's a good, a good precedent I whatsoever. Think, well, I hang
5: on. I don't think you have a right to say that Israel doesn't exist. If you want the extermination of all people in Israel, well, that, is, that is a criminal offence. However... If you are literally as I said. Well, it doesn't seem to be a criminal offense. It doesn't seem you and I can agree on that. I I I I'm repeat, not disagreeing. We're clearly with you of that. in a position,
6: we're clearly in a position where they're not policing the law. No, I understand. Otherwise, we wouldn't have all of these
5: videos of people inciting violence on the streets. But Douglas, you and I can agree that the police need to enforce existing law. I, I don't there's no dispute between us on that and they should be doing that a lot more. But we also, I think have to surely look at the people who are genuinely there in a non-violent manner, of which there are many. These are massive protests. I think back to the protests, for example, against Donald Trump when he came to London, against America because he was the president. We allowed that to happen. I didn't necessarily agree with them, but we allowed them to happen. You know, I remember Madonna said, Okay, forgive me one moment. I I
1: haven't interrupted much, but I, I just have to say, I don't recall that the anti-Trump protesters supported the extermination of the United States. Is that that fair to say? I don't even agree with the protesters, but to to link them to the pro-Palestine, pro-Palestinian demonstrations around the world, like in Sydney, gas the Jews or from the river to the sea this is their anthem from the river to the sea palestine will be free that means no israel it was there was there talk about from the atlantic to the pacific we we will eliminate america and americans when people demonstrated against donald trump it's an it's an odd parallel to draw go ahead
5: a woman's march in Washington, sure. that happened, and people accepted that. Well, um, yeah, but, yeah, but here's, here's, a, here's a very important point on that, Piers.
6: Uh, Madonna almost certainly, so far as I know, has no military capability behind her. So when Madonna says, I'd like to blow up the White House, it's a piece of stupid rhetoric uh, from a pop star. Um, when you've just had the largest massacre of Jews since the Holocaust and you have Hamas supporters and others marching through London calling for it to happen again, that does matter because there is a capability. So there is a difference, isn't there?
5: Well, there is, but I don't think that all of these protesters are right. pro-Hamas. And the difference, the difference yeah, is difference oh, you are making, really?
1: Artillery. Why don't we hear any anti-Hamas from any of them? Westerners think that everybody is like them. It is hard. That is why there are people who believe human nature is basically good. They're surrounded by decent people, and they assume that is the way the world works. Instead of assuming the West is an aberration, they assume everyone outside the West is just like them. We continue. Yeah, but
5: you, you wouldn't... Uh, you don't honestly think they're all pro-Hamas, these people.
1: Yeah, they are.
6: Well, I, I, I think that anyone who, for instance, chants <laughs> things like From the River to the Sea is, is in fact... Yes, but they're not all doing or that. ...or is criminally ignorant. Oh, well, they are. I mean, there's masses of videos of them marching past Westminster Abbey last week saying exactly that. Yeah, but they're not uh, all doing it. ...marching past the of Winston Churchill last I've, week I've watched the videos, exactly. and there are well, lots of people okay, well, here, chanting well, here's, and here's, some who okay, aren't. OK, well, here's a challenge... Okay, well, here's a challenge, Piers. If you decided to go on some kind of march, Mm. and in week one, you discovered that you had the BNP along your side calling, for instance, for the murder of all black people, would you not wonder whether or not
1: you should go on week two? Would you not drop out by about week three? That is such a superb answer. Hold on. Let me relish the brilliance of that answer. They're not all chanting Israel should be exterminated, but they're all attending marches where vast numbers of the other marchers are chanting that. Why is that not morally problematic, Pierce? Continue. That's a good question.
5: Uh, and yes, I would. But that doesn't actually... Yeah, good, that shouldn't right. Act- so we can tell something about the marchers. Well, you can, tell that you can say that you have a view, your own opinion is they shouldn't be marching alongside these other people. However, they are still no, entitled it, in a yeah, free well, democratic well, country like well, ours. Look, I, I don't have absolute opinions on this. I, I just think it's a really interesting test of how far free speech goes. Well, and I do feel Here's the interesting
6: test, if I can say so. Yeah,
5: sure. The interesting test, if I can say so,
6: Piers, is there are limits to this, in fact. You are not allowed to glorify the murder of people on the streets of Britain. You are not allowed to be a member of a prescribed terrorist group in Britain. But I return to the point I made at the start. We allow it. I repeat, we have Hamas commanders living in the UK who take welfare in the UK and use it to commit terror. Why are they not locked up? Because we have laws... ...that we don't pursue. We have criminal charges that we don't use. The person in particular I'm thinking of, Mohammed Sawalha, got British citizenship. You're meant to sign a form saying you're a person of good character to become a British citizen. Can you say that somebody who was a former military commander of Hamas in the West Bank is, quote, a person of good character? I'd say not. So again, like the police, like many other people, the border control in the UK doesn't enforce the law, doesn't care to do so. And I repeat, there is a serious problem with this in the UK. Israel, as you can see tonight, can look after itself. I wonder if Britain can say the
5: same. Yeah, listen, I understand that point. You've also said it will have to be counted if the march goes ahead because the British public shouldn't have to put up with it. But what yes. does that mean in reality? Yes. You're not endorsing people to go I think and the- confront them, are you? No,
6: No, not at all. Um, I would suggest. All right, we'll hear what he
1: suggests, and the the timing will be perfect. This was—it's rare that I play such an extended interview, but the the moral clarity is piercing. No, no pun intended. We'll be back.
3: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now.
0: 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: Hello there, everybody. Dennis Prager here. One of my favorite thinkers is John Rosemond. I have been citing him having him on the show... Done prager videos for, oh my God, the better part of 20 years. I had him on when he was 15 years old. I'll give you an idea of how long that is. John Rosemond is a family psychologist. He is the inventor of the idea that the most important vitamin to give to a child is vitamin N. Vitamin N is the word no. There is an article in the Wall Street Journal with regard to mental care for kids. Children in mental health crisis surge into hospitals' ERs. We have arguably the most cases of psychological What's the word? I wouldn't, I don't like illness, but we'll use it for now. And unhappiness and depression ever recorded since we began recording these things. So I thought I'd like to find out John Rosemont's take on it. John, welcome back to the show. Hi,
7: Dennis. Thanks for having me back. I truly appreciate it.
1: What's your latest book? My latest book uh,
7: is uh, titled The Bible Parenting Code, and uh, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek title. I'm using the word code in more or less its original sense to mean a set of principles that guide some activity. And uh, in this case, I've taken 40, which is a good scriptural number, biblical verses and explained how they pertain to the raising of children and most of the verses in question don't mention children parents fathers mothers families they uh they uh are verses that uh, most people would would are familiar with but really don't see from a parenting perspective
1: Well, I got to get that book. I am going to order it during the.
7: Oh, don't do that! I'll send it to you.
1: Okay, I'll do both. <laughs> you said me send one. I'll send you an autograph
7: copy. Okay, or that's it, fine. You don't get my invaluable uh, autographs.
1: You know, I know. I would treasure it. Thank you. It's very kind. <laughs> You're welcome. By the way, I'm going to do a. I'm going to do a fun test on you right now. You are quite right that forty is a big biblical number. So what forties come to your mind uh,
7: oh gosh uh, jesus's forty days in the desert uh, comes to my mind um, forty uh, there were forty years of wandering in the desert in exodus um those two popped to mind, Dennis. All right, I'm so I'll give over. you more. You'll love
1: this, I because you, you're one of the few I can do this with. The 40 uh, days of the flood? Correct. The 40 days and nights that Moses is on Sinai? Ah, uh, yes. So 40 is uh, a big deal. Uh, you were quite right about that. So I thought you'd get a kick out of that, because... You know, I'm writing a Bible commentary, so I'm up on this stuff. I don't expect anybody else to know the answer to that question. But you did, you did uh, quite well. I'm slowly getting through
7: your commentary. I've gotten through Genesis and Exodus and uh, looking forward to the rest.
1: Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. So, in a nutshell, in fact, I think I'll do it this way. I'm going to bounce an idea off you. My late dad... Came on my show every July 18th, his birthday, and my my father was uh, was actually a wise man, and I say actually because it's not common wisdom. And every so often, I had him on for about 15 years, and every so often, I would ask him, "So, Dad, what's the biggest difference between America today and when you were a kid?" and amazingly every time he gave me the same answer he said today when i was a kid the parents ran the house today kids run the house how do you respond to that
7: well i respond to that very affirmatively um it's obvious that today's parents don't understand that their role is leadership they have shifted into relationship mode and um that mode's very seductive you know the idea that you your primary obligation is to have a wonderful give and take relationship with your child uh, unfortunately um, people in positions of leadership no matter the context uh they can't afford to uh try primarily They can't afford to aim for wonderful relationship with the people that they're charged with leading because relationship at that level shoots leadership in the proverbial fit. And this is why today's parents are having so much difficulty, which my generation, our generation, and previous generations did not have to anywhere near this degree with the issue of discipline with the issue of obedience, tantrums. Um, You know, I tell people quite frequently that when I was a child, I never saw a child throw a tantrum. (laughs) That's such an interesting point. (laughs) Yeah, I I never saw a child belligerently refuse to follow the instruction of of an adult who is in a legitimate position of authority. I never saw that. And this stuff is rampant today and parents don't understand that they've been taking their marching orders from the wrong people. And it's I mean the 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 evidence is clear we've been taking our marching orders from the wrong people when it comes to the raising of children. But it's hard for people to conceive that people with capital letters uh, after their names and impressive titles don't know what they're talking about. And I'm talking about my profession,
1: Dennis. I'm talking about psychology. Don't start me on your profession. I want to throw at you a, 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 a heretical sounding, but I don't think it is heretical, response to your brilliant observation so brilliant I wrote it down because I don't want to forget it, that parents have substituted relationship for leadership. That, I can't tell you how intelligent and wise I think that is, but here's my my heresy-sounding note. I think people have done that with God. They have substituted relationship for leadership. I agree, I totally agree,
7: Wow, you know, I'm a evangelical Christian, and you know the the idea that uh, Jesus is your buddy is uh, is absurd. Um, you know the idea that God is your buddy is absurd uh, and, and and this has trickled into all areas of society, but when it comes to children, The most significant areas of society into which it has trickled is the home and the school. Today's teachers are told in their undergraduate education programs that their job is to have a wonderful relationship, and they're graded on this by their own students at the end of the year, and so these teachers sit on pins and needles when it comes to these students Student evaluations, mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. children, right, as if children are capable of understanding and properly evaluating adult behavior. But this well, is what happened uh, in the uh, home and school, and this is why, you know, your father said what he said, and which I thoroughly agree with, and uh, this is why we're having. Uh, this this epidemic of rampant rant, rampant disobedience tantrums. I mean, tantrums. Children thirteen, fourteen years old, screaming, yelling, throwing things uh, when their parents tell them no. Uh, give them the vitamin you referred to earlier. Um, it's absurd. It's ridiculous, and it it speaks to. Uh, a
1: future and what's coming down the track. All right, tell it, tell it to us in a moment. John Rosemond, the magnificent child <laughs> psyche, psych, you, are, you are a magnificent <laughs> child psychologist. No. I am on with John Rosemond, and he's one of my favorite. To say, I was going to say, one of my favorite. Uh, psychologists but you have such little competition that it's not really a compliment you're one of my favorite thinkers that that's a compliment one of my favorite psychologists your profession is a compliment indeed thank you Derek. yeah no no but i I'm, I'm just making the point we we might as well address that for a moment and I, and i tell you this substitution of uh, of a relationship for leadership with parents, it, it, it's a perfect one-line insight. I love those. What, what is, in a nutshell, or if you want it to be two nutshells, what has happened to your profession?
7: Well, we went down the road of progressivism in uh, beginning in the late 1960s, and I saw it developing when I was in graduate school at the time, but I didn't understand what I was seeing. And I didn't understand it uh, completely until maybe the late 80s, early 90s. And, um, you know, I don't even think my profession qualifies to be restricted, Dennis. Uh, we are a bogus science Um our therapies are, have, have never been their efficacy. Uh, the drugs that we recommend have never outperformed placebos in clinical trials. Uh, our theories are bogus. They've never proven themselves. Uh, nothing that we do. We don't have any practice standards in psychology. Uh, you, you, you know, one psychologist is humanist, the next psychologist is behaviorist. The next is Freudian, the next is Gestalt, the next is something else. Uh, You don't find this in any legitimate profession in America. When you go to a dentist, you go to a dentist. You know, you don't go to a humanistic dentist, and down the street there's a behavioral dentist, (laughs) and there's some other sort of dentist uh, even further down the street. You only find this in psychology. No practice standards to speak of, uh, and, and the efficacy of anything we do has yet to be proven. I maintain that my profession should be investigated by state's attorneys general for disingenuous business practices, and that we further ought to be investigated for violations of the RICO Act because we're in collusion with big pharma.
1: Well, that, that's uh, certainly the case with psychiatry. Are psychologists allowed to prescribe now?
7: Some psychologists in some states are allowed to prescribe certain drugs. I think California is one such state where psychologists can prescribe certain, what is it, Class A drugs.
1: Do you remember when... I don't remember the number. It was hundreds, maybe a thousand, maybe more than a thousand psychiatrists declared Barry Goldwater mentally ill.
7: Yeah, I remember that in the mid-60s. Yeah, was that 64?
1: Probably, because that's when he ran against the Johnson. Yeah, I mean, it was was the headline of the week uh, in 1964
7: when he was running. And, uh, you know, I was only 17 years old, but I've already attuned to world affairs, and yeah, I remember that very, very
1: clearly. So it, uh, the reason I raise it is to show how far back the deterioration of psychiatry and psychology go, because that violated every basic rule. You can't judge a uh, clinically judge someone until you've seen them. Right, until you've talked to them,
7: until you've had personal contact with them. And not just brushing contact, but sustained contact over a period of, uh, you know, several appointments, uh, several hours at least. Uh, yeah, and this is what, I mean, my, my profession's doing the same thing uh, these days with Donald Trump. You know, he's crazy too. Haven't you heard?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, this goes under a different rubric, but related, where I've said for so many years, everything the left touches, it destroys, and that would include a good chunk of psychiatry and psychology. Do you see any, and I'm, by the way, don't make up one. I mean, if there isn't, there isn't, but do you see any reason for hope for your profession? No, I've been asked that
7: question before. I see no redeeming quality and I see no hope. There's no indication whatsoever, based on research, Dennis, that a person needs more than a high school degree to do competent counseling. I mean, counseling, competent counseling, what is it? It's nothing but common sense. I don't care how many years you go to school, how many degrees you have, when everything boils down to the nub of things. Uh, It's all about common sense. It's all about connecting with a person empathically and your common sense. And the research studies have found that when people don't know the educational level of the counselor that they are talking to, that they rate people with high school, terminal high school degrees as highly as they rate PhDs,
1: if not higher. <laughs> Back in a moment, oh, John Rosemond, like. R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. We will return. You're listening to The Dennis Prager Show. The remarkable John Rosemond psychologist... Is on, he's done two pregnant you videos, by the way. They're all free, just so you'll know, this is not an ad. Your chi- is your child getting enough vitamin N and how to get kids to listen. And the reason he's on today, although I could have him on every day as far as I'm concerned, but especially because of the Wall Street Journal article that I have been reading to you about the record number of kids who are going to ERs that's amazing not just the therapists but to the er's for emotional psychological mental problems you know i read these things john and uh, regularly to my to my listeners and the, the, you know the mental health crisis etc the depression staggering record number of young women depressed for example and none of them mention no fathers none of them mention no religion and and so i'm thinking really you think that those aren't worthy of mentioning as possible reasons isn't i mean i know i'm leaving you on here you could certainly say no but that strikes me as an indictment of your profession
7: yeah, we uh we don't recognize that uh, America's child mental health problems have coincided and risen along with uh the statistical rise of the fatherless home. We refuse to acknowledge it because it's politically incorrect to acknowledge it. That Wall Street Journal article, I read it and I read the Wall Street Journal every morning and um it uh, implied that the uh, problem could be solved if we have more mental health. Yeah, professionals. that's right.
1: That's what they always say. Right. And,
7: and I just I, I just <laughs> had to burst out laughing when I read it because <laughs> mental health professionals caused this problem. You know, I mean, think about it, Dennis. You know, uh, your parents weren't consulting psychologists. My parents weren't consulting psychologists. None of our friends parents were consulting psychologists or therapists of any stripe and yet the mental health of our generation was statistically provably 10 times better than the mental health of today's kids and the mental health of today's ki- of kids started deteriorating at the point where American parents began listening to taking their marching orders uh, instead of from their elders, where parents had traditionally gone up until this point uh, from psychologists and other mental health professionals in the late 60s and early 70s. And even though the per capita number of child therapists of various, you know, uh, labels, has increased exponentially since 1970. Child mental health has deteriorated exponentially. When are we going to get it? These people fed us a pig in a poke when it came to their advice concerning child rearing, which today's parents unwittingly are adhering to. And they they don't even realize that this new parenting philosophy is 50 years old. You know, they think, parents who are in their 20s and 30s, and they have no reason to believe otherwise, that this is the way it's always been with kids. You know, you hear this this meme all the time, raising a child is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Well, (laughs) my parents would never have said that. Your parents would never have said that. And 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 your parents, my parents, you, you know, parents of that generation, on average, had probably uh, twice the number of kids that today's parents are dealing with, and they just, you know, they just uh, just strode through the process, confident of the legitimacy of their authority.
1: You know, going my, my back, parents, to the whole
7: relationship. Okay. Going back to the whole relationship thing, instead of having an, a, a hierarchy of authority in the American family today, we have four, five, six people who are constantly struggling for the prize of who's the boss.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, that was my father's original think, comment.
7: Yeah, if we don't think the child mental health, you, you know, children need unconditional
1: love. And they need unequivocal authority.
4: I would even argue they need that one
1: more. I'm going to talk to you about that when we get back. John Rosemond, any one of his books will help you immensely. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia.